and Brody. Welcome back to Coffee and Christ. You told me not to tell him. I am your co-host, Jackson. I'm Dylan. Good to be back. Good to be back. A little time has passed between the last, the last little episode we have, but <laughs> I'm sorry. With co- with coffee and Christ, don't look at me. Obviously, we have to have coffee, and so this coffee is brought to you by Starbucks Christmas Blend, not sponsored, <laughs> but I made it in a French press, and this is Dylan, first time kind of experiencing the French press, and obviously he can't handle it. It's good, but I'm not a black coffee kind of guy. I'm, it's good. I'm drinking it out of my Santa cup because it's the Christmas spirit can always live on. I like frou frou coffee, if you will. Frou frou. I like the taste of creamer and the benefits uh, of caffeine. A little bit of creamer with, I mean, a little bit of coffee with your creamer. Yes, that's okay. But my creamer in my fridge expired in 2020, 2022, February. Oh, well, <laughs> so you um, just barely missed it. I didn't want to risk it. Oh, well, I mean, so, that makes uh, sense, I guess. Black coffee it is, folks. Well, we're halfway down on the fr- French press, so it's almost it's going to be gone before you know it. But I've had two sips. Well, and that's all. you know what? You finish that cup, and I'll finish the rest, and we'll call it a win. I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm going to try. So, um, what's new in your world? Well, some of y'all know, some of y'all don't. I'm a Duke fan. Um, and if you know... The goat is gone, Coach K. He's now retiring, and so it's a more um, no. It's honestly, it's not bittersweet. It's just bitter. And you were gonna go. I was gonna go. I had tickets, and you know what? No one bought those tickets. Really? So I'm just in the hole. (laughs) So uh, it's okay though. Um, They had a good season, but you know what? The the last final words I will say about it: If you make your free throws, different ball game. That's it. I was pulling for Duke, and um, if you know me, I don't get into the the sports, <laughs> the sports very often. I like football sometimes. Lacrosse, girls lacrosse. I'm there for that, and all the hand motions that the ref makes. So you're now learning them. Um, but I actually was camping this weekend, and I pulled it up on my iPad, and we watched it. And I was really pulling for Duke to win because I wanted you to go watch it. I know, but I would like to say I cried, but I didn't. But if you do cry, cry in the shower, it's easier to clean up the tears. That's true. I cry every morning in the shower. <laughs> Before I go to work. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but what else? I know you're just dying to say it. I got a dog. Duty. Well, okay. I have a dog already. Had yes. her for the past three years. I cut her loose. But it's not truly like having a dog. Lassie is more of a nostalgic creature that dislikes moving ever. Me and Ty were trying to decide what kind of like embodies like she has like for cooper i think he's like maybe a small mexican man with a very fast accent but like lassie we're kind of deciding she was like a grandma almost she likes fine things she doesn't like toys yeah she's like you know when you go to an old general store because we have these everywhere but i've been to one Mm -hmm. and that there's the two old men that sit on the porch all the time yeah drink coffee probably that's lassie Mm -hmm. except she's a woman and she just (laughs) Yes. She just mopes around. Like, it literally, when you, even if you have a treat, like, you'll wave it in front of her face, and it takes all she has to just eat it. And she's not even old. Like, she's just lazy. She just likes her finer things. So, I got this dog, 
a golden doodle. Her name is Maggie. Maybe she's thought. actually black, though. Well, but her dad's a black poodle. That's but really she is a really good dog. But she did get in a lot of trouble moments ago because she chased Jackson's car down my driveway. We don't do that. But when you yell at her, though, she won't look at you for like 20 minutes. <laughs> and so she got in trouble this morning because she shredded some puppy pads. I've never seen that many pieces of puppy pads in my life, so I'm cleaning it up in the wee hours of the morning before work. <laughs> and so, and, and she comes to work with me. And um, so I was driving to work. I put her in the truck because she's too small to jump in there. And she literally like, had to physically turn her back away from me and wouldn't look me in the eyes. And so she's, she was pretty mad. But overall, she's a good dog. She sulks. And that's she, okay. she tries my patience. It's- personality very heavily but she's a really good dog so it's just been a very rude awakening she has a good character well like, i've never been close to a dog like lassie yes we are friends Grandma. but see my parents oh love them but they just don't they don't they listen <laughs> they don't like indoor dogs and they do listen and i'm not saying you all are wrong however we never had an indoor dog growing up and so now that I have one, it's just stressful. I got you. But we're making it. That's okay. Slowly. She's, she's adorable. And that's she's, all that matters. Jackson did watch her last week. Because I was gone to Nashville. She did great. She pooped and peed in the house every single day. But you told me she was good. But she so was good. No, I cleaned it up. I'm pretty sure I sent you a picture of every one of them. Because she true. does not poop small, small dogs. Man, that face of you just go scarfing that black coffee down I'm, just makes the best of it. I'm working on it. It's okay. It's just very, <coughs> very bitter. It's black for you. It's just, it's bitter. But I'm, I'm trying to be an adult. I'm 22 years old. <laughs> I can't muscle down black coffee. That's okay. That's I okay. get, um, um, like a lot of creamer. And a lot. I don't, I do Splenda. I'm modest. Modest. Trying to watch my don't go. Don't go too far there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I do Splenda, but, yeah, I don't want to taste coffee. Yeah. I just like the benefits. I got you. That's all, I mean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's all that's really new in my life, I think. Been traveling. About it. Seeing the world, Nashville. Seeing, seeing the forty-five minute ride from Cookville to Nashville way too many times, mm. and that's not going to end anytime soon. That's okay. But anyway, growing. Anyway, so last week, it was last week because it was released last week. Yeah, you're right. We actually recorded that probably a month ago. Yeah. But uh, this one that's going to go live tonight, we recorded tonight because I'm going to swing of things. It. And so um, we talked about Matthew two last week and so we're gonna like get into Matthew chapter 3 and it's a lot like buckle your seatbelts everyone <laughs> hallelujah church it's big it's gonna be a big chapter so let's get into it so kind of to recap again uh, jo- we talked about Joseph and how he's being confronted by the angel of the Lord and hearing the command he gets up and he goes and this is kind of how the faith that we need to um, aspire to be when God calls us to get up and go, we get up and go. And and that was kind of the main point of uh, last podcast. But now as we're jumping into Matthew chapter 3, um, we're being introduced to John the Baptist. And so John the Baptist was an incredible man with an incredible ministry. 
Um, it actually says in Matthew 11, and we'll get more into Matthew 11 later, but uh, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. And we'll get into more of that later. But see, John the Baptist came to prophesy and pave the way for Christ. Um, and also, he came to heighten the spiritual awareness of people in Israel. So you got to remember that there's probably been, I looked this up, so I don't know anything for sure, and I'm not a, a history major of some kind, but there's been about 400 years that have passed between the closing chapters of Malachi and where we're picking back up into Matthew. And so I'm going to just start off with reading a little bit. And um, so Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 1, in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who has spoken by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And so um, we kind of see, going back to verse 2, there's a common uh, theme through this chapter 3, and that's repent. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so, and then we move on to uh, verse 3, and this is kind of in true Matthew fashion where it's going to relate it back to a prophecy in the Old Testament. And this one, uh, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, is from Isaiah 40, uh, verse 3. And so, uh, as we kind of move on to verse 4, it says, Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. So, we can kind of tell here that John the Baptist, we have a little bit of a depiction of him that he obviously... It's not a flashy man. He just has a simple leather belt and a camel's hair garment. And so he, and then he also has a simple diet. It's locusts and wild honey. I don't like that stuff. Never tried that stuff. Don't plan on anytime soon. I don't look like a locust eater myself either. You know? <laughs> I'm going to pass, I'm going to pass that one, leave that one to John. But yeah. the whole thing was that, um, John here is still faithful and powerful because he's a willing vessel. And sometimes that's all it takes. We, you don't have to be rich or you don't have to be, uh, you don't have to be rich to serve the Lord and you don't have to be poor to serve the Lord. It's literally someone who's willing and God can take that and mold that into something beautiful for him to be able to transform his, his word into other people's life. You know what, just like on this subject, and again, the listeners out there who don't know me, raging ADHD. And other things, um, but the um, I was thinking about this earlier. The world tells us, everybody else around you, that if you want to transform your life, the only way you can do that is with money. And I'm like, I am, I will back that statement 100. percent Yeah, I probably because agree. Everyone, I mean, that's what what everybody tells us. Mm-hmm. The only people who are happy are the ones that have six figures tied to their bank account every got a Malibu weight boot. And literally, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I, mean, I want yeah, to preface nothing. that. But John, he was introduced four verses earlier, and basically is already showing us that the way that you are transformed is through Christ. There's mm-hmm. literally no other way to be transformed. I can be transformed with money, physically, but what's that going to do for me? Eventually, the things you buy are going to wear out. The transformation that Jesus gives you is eternal. And it's literally that simple. And John teaches us that in his life, Mm -hmm. every step of the way. And so that's what I get from verse 4 is 
It doesn't take money to transform you. It doesn't take worldly statuses to transform you. Yeah. Jesus transforms you. And that's literally the only way you can put it. Simple as that. And so as we kind of keep reading, um, picking up in verse 5, Then Jerusalem, all of Judea, and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And so I kind of just want to bring up, I know baptism isn't a huge, uh, like not solely in this chapter, but in ba- when talking about baptism, there's a lot of different ways people see that. So I looked up some definitions, and in some of them it says purification by or submergence in spirit. But in others it says the religious rite of sprinkling water onto a person's forehead or of immersion in the water. So the people who find the sprinkling, because that, that feels like almost like an oxymoron because it's a sprinkling of water into the person's forehead or of immersion. That seems like two completely different things. Where do people find the, the sprinkle part? Because it's all in the scriptures where it talks about full immersion, but where does sprinkle or stuff like that come in? Honestly, the best answer that I have is people take what they want to hear and they run with it. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, does the definition say that when you pull it up? It does. Yeah. Not everywhere, but it does. But of 98% of the accounts that we see in the New Testament of baptism, how many of them are sprinkling with water? Can't think of any. None. There's, I mean, it's full immersion in water. Why would they go to a river? We just read that. Yeah. If I can sprinkle them with water, let's go to the well yeah. and get a cup of water. Clean water. Done. Well, sort of clean. Done. Yeah. But 98% of all the accounts are by the water and they're fully immersed. Why would you take the risk? Baptism is immersion. Exactly. That's what we teach. Okay, and if you and honestly, if you disagree with that, tell us about it. Yeah. I would love to sit and talk about it. But baptism is full immersion in water. But people see that because let's be real. As a human race, even in history, which route do we take? The hard one or the easy one? Definitely the easier one. I baptize a lot of people. Okay, it's inconvenient for me, Mm -hmm. and it's inconvenient for them. I would much rather go get some water on my fingers and sprinkle it over their head. Voila. You know, one time when I was at Double Springs, again, big dude, big personality. (laughs) But there was a a kid in my youth group that wanted to be baptized. You weren't even at Double Springs then. And I had been there, good grief, a couple months. Want to top off? No, no. You Mm. you take the rest of that black coffee um but i had been there i don't know month two months and the preacher that was there at the time um their size comparison between us was very was drastic okay so here i am caught off guard 200 people in the auditorium and i go into the changing room because i'm about to baptize this kid and um the waiters didn't fit me Mm -hmm. and so I didn't have a change of clothes nothing so I I had on a really nice pair of khakis nice button up shirt and we all went in the water together (laughs) 
So I literally walked in the water with my clothes on. But baptism is full immersion. Right. We as Americans, we and not even Americans, as everybody, the human race, we're going to take the easy way out. Yeah. You know, and people twist the scriptures to take the easy way out. And that's what I think. I mean, long story short, we could talk about that for a long time. Yeah. But baptism is full immersion. You know, if you've been sprinkled in the past, you have not been baptized. Baptism is full immersion in water. And so that's where I think people get it. I think they're just going to twist the scriptures and make it as easy as they can. And, and it's not that way. Yeah. It isn't. So picking back up, we'll start in 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. And so these are just the Pharisees who and the Sadducees that Jesus will deal with later down the road. And um, actually, I don't have much to say about these few verses. They pretty much tell them, they pretty much explain it all that they have to. Yeah. And then in 10, even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Eat every tree there. Therefore, that does not bear good fruit is to cut down and thrown into the fire. And then picking back up in 11, I baptize you with the water for repentance. But he, there's repentance again, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John here depicts a brief, brief, picture of how he's baptizing them by water for repentance and but Jesus will take a person's life and completely submerge and immerse them into the Holy Spirit and then he also mentions baptism by firing and how it continues that into the next verse that baptism is probably fire from judgment day and then um, another kind of like key point I want to p- point out about John is John here shows a lot of great humility uh, by saying he's not even worthy to carry the sandals of Jesus. And it makes me go back to John three thirty, just real quick, where it says he must increase, but I must decrease. And that's John saying that again, saying that he must, he being Jesus, must increase for him to decrease. And we, I mean, what were you going to say? No. You know, that's a big thing too. And I want to go back to a verse... In a second, but we'll we'll continue with this. But he's saying, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is better than me Mm -hmm. in every way. You know, obviously, John the Baptist is is getting, I won't say publicity, but... Developing a following. He's a popular man. (laughs) <laughs> they definitely I heard hear that. that. I said that coffee's killing me, so my apologies. Just developing um, a big stomach. But um, in verse 11, he's literally saying, you know, yeah, here I am teaching all this stuff, but the, the person who's coming after me is better than I am. You know, and I'm going to say this from my perspective. As a minister... And maybe even Jackson can can play along with her, add on to this. But as a minister, you become a popular person because you're in front of a lot of people. You know, naturally, you're going to become a leader, whether you're ready for it or not. And if you're not ready for it, you're not going to be a minister that long. Okay, let's just point that out there. 
but it's really easy to get caught up and be like, oh, wow, you know, I'm this big, awesome, great thing for the kingdom of God. And, you know, Richard, our preacher, um, actually talked about this on Sunday, was talking about how easy is it for us as Christians, and we'll talk to the, the Christian crowd for a second, when we accomplish all these great things, we can be like, oh, man, what would God do without me? You know, I am this amazing servant. I'm accomplishing all these things. Guys, I've thought this before. Jackson's thought this before. Like, man, what would God, what would he do without me? And the reality of it is, what would we do without God? I mean, there is nothing that we accomplish on this earth that's good that God doesn't allow us to do. And I fully agree with that. And John is saying, John the Baptist, I'm baptizing you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than me, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. He's not even going to carry his shoes. Because that's how humble of a person he is. Because he's like, I can't do that. Yeah. You know, I, I can't. And that's what we get caught up in that sometimes. I get caught up in that sometimes. Like, oh, and I'm not going and telling people this, but, you know, look at all this stuff I can do for Christ. Yeah. And look at all the stuff that John the Baptist is doing for Christ. But he's not going out there and saying, dude, check out what I just did. I'm baptizing all these people. Yeah. Look at all these people following me. Mm-hmm. It never happens. Exactly. The one who is coming later is mightier than me. And we can even say that now. Because we're paving the way for Christ. Yeah. You know, the, the growth of the church depends on us as Christians. And so what mentality do we have? Are we humble like him? Or are we saying the one who's coming later, Jesus, because he's coming back, the one that comes later is better than me. You just wait. And that's a big deal. I mean, that's, to me, that's my favorite quality about John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. Because it's a quality that, that I fight to make sure that I keep that. And I don't want you guys to, to misunderstand what I'm saying. Okay, I probably don't give myself enough credit. I, I don't have any self-confidence. I can agree with that's that. fine. But I fight with that. Because I find myself in my mind sometimes saying, oh, what would God do without me? No. What would I do without God? If I didn't have God in my life, I would be a wreck. Exactly. You know, and I, all of us are, guys. Mm-hmm. If we don't have Christ, if you don't have a Savior in your life, God... You're nothing. I don't care what you accomplish on, on this earth. Mm-hmm. You have nothing. And so that's my tangent. That's my favorite thing about John the Baptist is his humility. The man's phenomenal. And then uh, we're, we'll continue on in uh, 12 where it says, His winnowing fork in his hand. And I would say when I'm reading this, even though a lot of people don't uh, get what I'm about to say, but in Wednesday night Bible study we're talking about Ruth and winnowing fork is at hand and all this really takes it back right to Ruth 3 Ruth chapter 3 verse 2 where he's talk where Ruth is they're using this term and the threshing floor but let's continue uh winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire um so now continuing with uh 13 I have a little subheading in my bible that says the baptism of Jesus so in 13, then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized by him. 
And John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And how do you, uh, how do you come to me? And so I, I see here, Jesus has grown up. This is probably about 30 years after he's been born and that he's now started his ministry and is now progressing through and, and John just being a few trimesters older than him. But, um, I mean, it's Jesus. The Son of God is asking John to baptize him. And I feel John having a perfect reaction of being like, whoa, 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 this isn't how this is going to work. I feel like we all have this same reaction that Jesus should be baptizing us, but Jesus has humility too. And he knows that John is, John's paving the way and he's going to baptize him. Can you, okay, let's put ourselves in John's shoes right now, John the Baptist. When you never baptize anybody, right? Not. So, baptizing somebody is probably the coolest feeling that I've ever had. And I've got, and I I like to travel. I've experienced some cool stuff. But I don't get more of a thrill probably from anything else than baptizing somebody. And I can't describe it, it's just weird. But when you do that, I mean, when someone says to you, will you baptize me? I don't, and maybe the people that I baptize, if they're listening, they'll probably think I'm weird. But, like, the first thing that comes to my mind is, me? Like, you want me to baptize you? That's that's awesome. Yeah. And it's not because, I don't know, I can't describe it. I know this is a weird conversation, but... Just the feeling that you get when someone is looking at you and saying, that views you so much as like a spiritual leader, maybe, that says, baptize me. Like, my knees shake. Like, I, I can't say a sentence, which is pretty normal um, <laughs> for me. But I, I can't get word. I, I don't know how to describe it. Mm-hmm. And if Jesus walked up to me and said, Dylan, I need you to baptize me, I would probably pass away. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, because you're like... Excuse me? That's, me? What? You kind of like look behind you and see if there's somebody For else real, named like, Dylan. Like, I would never. I mean, how would you feel? I, it's crazy to me that he asked John. I mean, and, and like you said, like if he's like Jackson baptized me, I'd be like, excuse me? Really? I'd be like, are you sure? Are you? I'm actually, Did you eat too much locust on the way here? I literally... It was funny, but no. Wild honey was. Fermented. I've literally I've asked somebody, whenever they and I won't mention their name, um, but I baptized this person at um, in uh, Montgomery, Alabama, a couple years ago. We were on a on a youth conference, and um, he said, "Will you baptize me?" And I went, "Are you sure?" And he goes, "Am I sure that I want to be baptized?" I says, no, 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 no. That's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. Are you sure you want me to do it? And he was like, why would I not? And it, it's just the feeling of somebody asking you that and the gravity of someone viewing you like that. Yeah, that I, can't, of... I know this is like a long thing and you have no idea what I'm talking about. I was about. like, I can't relate. You will one day. Somebody, you will baptize somebody one day. The th- I don't know how to describe it. Those of you that have baptized somebody that is listening right now, you'll get it. Mm-hmm. But I can't. I cannot describe to you the gravity of what was what we just read. I cannot describe how heavy that verse is. And then in 15, Jesus answered him saying, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. So here, 
Jesus obviously. So okay, let's let's take this back. Most people, all people who get baptized, are baptized because they've they've been living a life of sin, and they want to be right with with God. They want to the some message has pricked their heart, and they want to make things right. But Jesus here, obviously, he's he is he's not sinful. He's never he's never been. There's not a speck on his white his white garment. And so, it just, again, it's something that's still surreal to me, that, like, kind of Jesus here, he came down from heaven, a, he was with God, and he's assumed a role as a human, and he's and he's experiencing everything, and so, with him being baptized, he he's kind of identifying himself with sinful people, kind of like saying that, you know, you can be saved through baptism and a lot of people will probably think that like that was pointless like why would you do that you're already perfect but he's still kind of connecting more with that mediator between us and god and and you can you can look at baptism two different ways you know i was baptized young and as was i i wouldn't see myself i i recognized what sin was what i tell what i say that I was living a life of sin. Mm-hmm. Now, we'll talk about this later. There's a difference in living in sin and sinning. Yeah. And that's a whole another topic for a different day. But I didn't see myself in the fourth grade living in sin. Mm-hmm. But I understood how much I needed Christ. You know, a lot of people view that baptism as an end game. Yeah. Like, okay, I have a relationship with Christ. I've accepted Christ. Let me go get baptized. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Baptism is the beginning of your walk with Christ. And so even Jesus is is explaining, not even by his mouth, is explaining through his actions how much he needs God. You know, yeah. and that's what baptism is too. Mm-hmm. It is showing you surrendering yourself and saying, I need God. Mm-hmm. And I have goosebumps yeah. right now. Because even Jesus is saying how much he needs his father. Yeah. Guys, if there's no other plainer picture for me to paint for you, there's nothing more simple than that. Mm-hmm. That even Jesus is saying, I need God. If you think you can get through life without God, you will fail. I'm not being mean. Son of God needed him. Jesus said, God, I need you. And there's examples so many times of Jesus during his ministry reflecting back to that and saying, God, I need you and talking to God and praying to God. And there's people out there that don't think they need him. And Jesus right here is saying, I need him. John the Baptist, I need you to baptize me because I need Jesus. The son of God. I mean, I can't. Crazy. It's it's amazing. And to kind of finish up the chapter in 16, it says, when Jesus was baptized immediately, he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, the voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. What a picture for those sweet little people on the side of the Jordan River just to look up and be a dove in hearing that voice. What takes you there? I can't even comprehend it, honestly. Because of the gravity of it, you know, of the heavens 
opening up and a voice saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Now, we have the stage set for most of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. We have the stage set for the Gospels of what's about to come. I mean... And even re- I mean, golly, I'm flustered. But how can someone say that God is not real? How can someone read this and not understand the gravity of what is about to happen? Yeah. I mean, yes, if you're here, obviously. I mean, if I was there, I, again, I would pass yeah. away. Okay. <laughs> um, but I just don't understand. That me reading that and having the emotions that I feel right now, even if I had never read the Bible, I mean, if I was just opening to whatever chapter in Matthew 3 came about and we're seeing the gravity of what's about to happen, how can you not want to have a relationship with God? I mean, I don't know. What do you think? I, I agree with you. I lost at words, really. And that's the end of chapter of Matthew chapter three. We wanted to continue. I can go back and keep talking about Matthew three. Keep going. But and then because we'll, if we'll we tackle four next if time. we back up, um I gotta find it. Verse ten. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree therefore that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. What does that mean? That if you are not if you're a plant and you're not producing fruit, you're gonna get yoinked, if you would say. You're gonna get you're gonna get cut down because you're you're serving no purpose to the vine at all. And that kinda and that's that's a that's a parable that Jesus talks about later on in, in Matthew, but like that's that that's basically it. Like if you're not producing fruit, if you're not serving a purpose in God's kingdom, then you're as good as has nothing. And that's the thing that I, I and some of the stuff that I say Jackson's heard thousands of times probably. They haven't though. But you know that's one thing that I, I stress about. I've taught a, a high school class for three years straight. Sundays and Wednesdays. And I love it. I love to teach. I don't know if the classes are that good. They are. But I love to teach. I really do. And that's one thing that we even verse 10. I could you could paint a picture of verse 10 of every tree that does not bear good fruit. Now, what is good fruit? I mean, we could talk about that. You know, I'm going to be very vulnerable for a second and tell a funny story. But, you know, I was a student at Tennessee Tech University. Freshman year went great. Sophomore year went... Okay. It went. (laughs) Um, But my first two semesters, 4.0 GPA. Third semester, 4.0 GPA. The fourth semester was a doozy. And the reason, and not I wasn't a party animal, but I valued my social life. And I had good Christian friends. I mean, I wasn't out doing bad things. But I valued my social life more than my education. Yeah. And my grades plummeted. Mm. And to me, I was like, oh man, I'm doing great. And then I failed three classes, and I was like, and the tree got cut. I didn't finish college. Yeah. Okay, I didn't. Now, my life is great. 
I love what I do. I don't regret not finishing college. Okay, I'm not, I'm not telling you not to go. I mean, it's just for different people. But, you know, we can... And here I thought I was investing and doing all these great things. But the thing that mattered, I wasn't giving attention to it. Yeah. As in my grades that my parents were paying for. Um, <laughs> but I thought I was investing a lot of good things, and I wasn't. Yeah. I was just out having a good time. We fall into that trap. Christians also fall into that trap of we think we're investing really good, and we're not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've said this time and time again. I love my job. I love action, heating, and cooling. That's not my purpose. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so many people, they invest into the world, and it fails. And he's saying invest and bear good fruit good fruit and the person we're talking about John the Baptist John was producing good fruit okay when you're investing into Christ truly you're producing good fruit and that's one thing that I wanted to talk about because that's that's so big of what are we spending our time doing what are we investing what are you doing from day to day you know how much time are you giving to God and I struggle with that and I'm a minister but how much time are you dedicating to him? Obviously, John the Baptist was dedicating enough to him that Jesus came up to him and said, Hey, man, I need you to baptize me. Yeah. What? You know, what? That's crazy. And so, um, I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I agree. It's what are you investing your time in? Are you, are you producing good fruit or are you going to be chopped down? And that's going to conclude this podcast. We're going to tackle... Matthew chapter 4 next week. But thank you for tuning in and uh, stay safe. Have a good week. Yeah. God loves you. Love you. And so do we. Mm -hmm. Goodbye.